Welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead horse until its feelings are hurt. 1d6 vicious rumors at a time. On today's episode, we're taking a long, hard look at Hellcats and Hockey Sticks, a game of intrigue, violence, and the horrid predations of vicious teens set at an all-girls boarding school in jolly old England. Don't miss the stolen photo from immediately before a porno started cover. All that and more on today's System Mastery. Hey everyone, before we start today, we have an announcement mastery to do. That's the thing where a listener sends us 75 bucks and we read their message right on the air. If you want one, you can buy one right on our website, systemmasterypodcast.com. Now I'm all alone at the studio today, so I'll handle this reading myself. Where's John, you ask? Well, he's at home, a-washing his tights. In Sorcerously Advanced, you are an immortal super wizard. You work with the Archive, who make it their business to dig up magical records and technology from the ancient past and make them available to everyone. And we mean everyone, because a while back, every adult in the world became an immortal wizard. Honestly, it's kind of a problem sometimes. But it's not like you can go up to the great god Aeon the Unalterable, whose name is Eternity, etc., etc., and just give back the gift of magic. People have tried. There's no going back, so the Archive is helping people move forward. You can be a geometer wizard who sets wards and makes automata using diagrams. You can be a ghostly necromancer with ghost kids back home. Presumably, they're also immortal wizards. You can be a dream-hopping chaos witch fighting against rich colonialist douchebag magi. Join societies like the Peace Walkers, who magically disconnect from violence itself, or the Soul Pact, who rescue souls damned to the wrong afterlife. If you want to be some random dirt farmer who can barely magic their way out of a paper bag, that's actually okay. You'll still be balanced against the rest of the party, because there's a metagame currency that lets you twist the plot in your favor. Everyone gets to contribute. Sorcerously Advanced is a game of cutting-edge magic. It's pay-what-you-want at DriveThruRPG, and if you like it, you can buy a physical copy. Also, if sci-fi games are more your thing, check out our sister game, Sufficiently Advanced. The second edition is also on DriveThruRPG. You can find those at tiny.cc slash sork or suffadv.wiki.com. It's a good thing I always put those links on the website. Whew. Anyway, uh, check out that game. That sounds awesome. I actually have a copy of Sufficiently Advanced. It's a fun read. Uh, So once again, thank you so much for purchasing an announcement mastery. If you want to buy one, you know where to do so. And in the meantime... Let's get back to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to System Mastery. It's me, your host, Jeff, joined, as always, by my good friend and the co-host of the show, John. John, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. It's a nice, cool day, gray, and I I just love days like this. It's my favorite time. Y- yeah, you know, I was just talking to my girlfriend here at the house. It's a little blustery and, and kind of sprinkly in my neighborhood. 
Yep. And uh, I was like, I was like, there's nothing that makes my house feel housey than when it's raining outside, and I can actually feel the separation from the outdoors. Oh that yeah. Being indoors provides. You're like, oh man. There are elements out there, and they are outside, but I, I am inside. I am indoors, where I am reading Hellcats and hockey sticks. (laughs) I would rather a bear take me. (laughs) So this game, I forget the company behind it. It's written by a fellow by the name of Andrew Peregrine, who I believe is over at Cubicle 7 now, although I don't think this game is from that. Uh, I mean, I assume not. Uh, and it is a game, the name makes it sound like it's going to be kind of of the D&D format, but with a twist, because it's the something and something else, uh, convention, but it really is a lot more just a British panty explosion. Which, when you're first looking through it, uh, even the credits have a, the, uh, like, rival system that they were like, oh yeah, we're crediting the creation of the rival system from Panty Explosion that we kind of use for this game. And I thought, oh, okay, good. That was one good thing. Yeah, that was the good thing about Panty Explosion. So if you're going to lift something from that game, it's a good thing. It's that. And then that wasn't even true. (laughs) Yeah, they credit something as being based on the rival system from Panty Explosion, which... I mean, we might as well start there uh, back because it's been a long ass time since we covered Panty Explosion, and I doubt everyone remembers it to the degree that we do. But in that game, the rival system was every player chooses one character to be their rival and one character to be their best friend. And when they succeed, their best friend gets to describe the success. And when they fail, their rival gets to describe the failure, which led to failures and successes being exceedingly wacky as your friends tried to boost you up and your rivals tried to make you look worse than ever. Yeah. So, you know, you fart an entire plum. That, yep. <laughs> you, you write the name, you write your name on the wall with a staccato burst of plum farts. <laughs> uh, but it was a neat idea. And I don't even know if it was right for panty explosion because ultimately that was more or less a fairly serious game about playing, Japanese schoolgirls, one of whom is psychic, fighting an evil ghost demon. I mean, that was an option. I, wasn't that the core mechanic of it? Uh, whatever. In, in any event, um, this game borrows that rivalry system in that you have a rival and a best friend. Yes, that is basically <laughs> the entirety of it. I don't even know why you'd credit that panty explosion for that. The concepts of rivals and best friends without any kind of rule backup do indeed predate panty explosion. And unfortunately as well, you're like, oh, it's not just that you have a rival and a best friend, which at least then you could say like, oh, we we took this idea from panty explosion. Everyone is your rival. You just have a particular rifle. Yeah, uh, it's a, it's very interesting. Uh, so the game is set at a school called Saint Aresians, which John, you're a, you're a religious expert. Is Saint Aresian a real saint? Uh, I don't know. I didn't look that shit up. What am I Catholic? Well, Get out of here! <laughs> uh, it looks like it's the it's an it's a alternative calendar used by adherents of Discordianism. Ah, good. That makes sense. That's- Given that this whole thing is supposed to be about, like, oh, it's chaos here, and the girls won- run wild. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and uh, 
in addition to it being said at an all-girls school, of course, you do play as teenage girls somewhere in the 16, 17 age range uh, of a variety of cliques or cliques. I've never known how you're supposed to pronounce that. Cliques. Cliques who go on adventures. And I'm going to go ahead and say you can pretty quickly tell all of the influences of this game. Uh, It came out around 2009, but I would say its primary uh, uh, influences are Panty Explosion itself, obviously, because someone read it and liked it. Uh, The 2006 Rockstar video game Bully. Uh. And for some reason, the 1997, I want to say Disney or Fox original cartoon animation, Recess. See, I have never seen even like 10 seconds of recess. So when you had messaged me like, Hey, this game is basically just recess. I was like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Oh, it's not basically just recess. Uh, there is a single aspect of it that is lifted 100% from recess, but it's just that one aspect. Oh, okay. Notably recess stars, fourth graders. Uh, and it's got, it has a similar flow to it in that it's largely a story about kids in a school and you very rarely leave the school grounds, and it's, it, you know, the school has been evaluated or, or is viewed as like a microcosm of society kind of thing. But that's a lot of, sto- of stories set in schools. Yes. It, the the uh, single thing, well, it'll come up later on. It'll be obvious to old recess fans, but basically they say that the first year students at the, at the uh, academy, like I think they're probably eight to 12 years of age, somewhere in there, uh, are feral little weirdos who live like native Americans and wear face paint and, 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 uh, tribal headwear and barely speak any, any language at all. And just run around being like little, little, uh, stereotypes that are awful. Yeah. Which is also the dark spot that recess had an otherwise very good show in general. All the kindergartners on that show were dressed like white girl chicks on their way to Coachella. Oof. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, it was 97. They didn't know that they should have known better. Man, I gotta say, but uh, that's yeah. uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yes, no, it's very. The show was great, but there was this one spot where you're like, "Come on, do better." Hmm. Mm. Anywho, let's talk about the uh, mechanics and the uh, the rule structure of this game. It's very light rules. Yeah, there's not a whole lot going on here. Uh, I mean, even character creation is essentially you're making only a couple real choices. Yeah, you distribute, I think it's a total of 19 skill points, and that is, oh, and you choose one click. You got your click, which is essentially your class, but Mm -hmm. uh, you also get your skills, which every click has their own skills that are like their skills. The curriculum, yeah. And uh, everyone gets four you get five points to put mm-hmm. into those, and then another 15 to buy whatever. Yeah, and there's a skill list that you can buy whatever from. The skill list I actually kind of appreciate, because it's basically we well, the, the whole kind of presentation model of this game, the tone of it, so to speak, is very much like, oh, all these girls are so prim and proper when they're not causing mass destruction. Yeah, uh, it's know, another it's, one of those games that's like, we are a comedy game and we will not break kayfabe for a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so each skill is, you know, it's things like history and, and English and so on. 
but each one of them is divided up into the actual general mechanics of that kind of skill when it's taught. And then uh, also the types of crimes you can do with it. Yeah. So, you know, I thought was at least clever. You can get geography to know, you know, your general geography, but also it's used for tracking and survival and field craft and stuff like that. Yeah. And leadership is inspiration, team organization. So you could be like in charge of the chess club or whatever, but also torture and interrogation. Yeah. Uh, a few of them don't follow this just because they couldn't really think of a way for them to do so, such as, for example, languages, which is just like, hey, if you take this, you speak another language. Good job. Or or veterinary, which is just like, hey, you want to fix animals? Here's how you fix animals and also ride horses and train falcons. But they didn't want to put in like, you know, that's neat dog fighting. <laughs> uh, so that's that's good, man. Uh, why don't we talk about. Oh, and uh, the mechan- the core mechanic of the game, might as well get that out of the way, and then we can start talking about the clicks. There's only really one core mechanic in the game. Uh, whenever you would like to do something, you find one of the relevant skills, and you, uh, you roll. If you have no value in that skill, you roll a d6. Uh, and there's a target difficulty that you're looking for, but for each point in that skill, you get to roll an additional d6, also looking for that target difficulty. Yeah, and it starts at easy difficulty is a four. So you need to roll a four or better on a D6 in order to get a success. And That's correct. Uh goes up all the way to an eight difficulty because this game has the option of if you want to, you can trade in three dice to get a plus one to the results of all other dice that you roll for a thing. So if you're trying to get the, like, absurd or impossible difficulties, then you really need to have at least about, you know, seven dice, and you're just still hoping for a six on 1d6. Yeah. Um, Now, getting something like seven dice is almost impossible without spending the, as far as I know, the only other stat in the game willpower, which is a constantly changing number, uh, displaying kind of your current mental reserve and strength. Uh, You can spend it to purchase additional dice, uh, but you can also spend it to do things like instigate fights, uh, get out of fights. It it is a constantly flowing number. Yeah, willpower, uh, it's weird because it takes forever for the book to get to the point where it talks about getting it back because it talks about all of the ways you can spend willpower like you can spend up to three to add one die per willpower on a roll you can spend it if you need to you know overcome a certain thing like everyone has a fear they have so you might have to spend willpower to overcome your fears and there's all this stuff you Mm -hmm. can spend it on but it is almost impossible to get it back and yes, it's very, very difficult to recover. And you start every single person starts with 10. And as soon as you're at half or lower willpower, you start suffering all kinds of dramatic penalties. Oh, yeah. And your max is basically 10. So even if you manage to be like, oh, I'm going to like hang out and not use my willpower too much. Maybe you get a point or two and you go back to 10 and you're like, great, I guess I didn't accomplish anything, but I'm not terrible. If you're wondering how to recover it, you can recover it by winning arguments or by being supported by friends who are being supportive. They have to spend time hanging out with you in a uh, in like your dorm room and 
trying to talk you up even though you feel awful. And even then, the, what they can do is they can trade their willpower for yours. Yeah. You also do recover one willpower per day. Uh, with, but that is with the game's GM equivalent headmistress with the headmistress's permission. You can also recover one willpower a day. Oh, yeah. The amount of like, oh, maybe you'll get a willpower, and if you do, you should be glad for it. Well, yeah, it's one of those games. Uh, it, it's a comedy game where the comedy is being that's being presented is like mean to you, kind of thing. That we we've covered that kind of game before. Uh, it, nothing nothing new here. Uh, but but yeah. So every single time they're like, well, if the headmistress agrees, then perhaps you might receive an additional serving of gruel today. Don't count on it. Yeah. I mean, also, just the general, like, idea of what you do in this game is just be mean. And not even to other people. The entire point is also being mean to the other players. Yeah, there's, I would say, because we've already gone over the basic rule structure. Like, for almost everything you want to do in the game, you pick up a number of dice equal to the number of skill points you have in the skill you're trying to roll, plus one. Um, and, and roll them and check against the target difficulty number and spend willpower if you want to try and boost your number above six if you need to, to do something almost impossible. Then the game devolves, or not devolves, but begins to list off a series of uh, optional or additional rules that are significantly more complicated for things like car chases and gunfights. Uh, but the largest one by far is for a inter-friend group fight. If you want to get in a fight with one of your friends, you have to, it's this huge, complicated, like, 10-page uh, discussion of what happens and how people are constantly choosing sides every day and how they need to make individual investments of willpower every day to keep the fight going. And that's not an optional rule. That is just the rules. Yeah. Well, there's several of them. Yeah, like I was saying, several are optional, several are just expanded or larger rule sets. Uh, but yeah, getting into fights among the group is apparently supposed to be a major part of the gameplay. Well, yes, because this game, of course, takes a very like, haha, ha, uh, teen girls all secretly hate each other and just pretend to be friends until they stab each other in the back. But then they'll be friends again, like nothing happened. And yeah, it decided to make that one of the core things in this game where in addition to the, like, oh, I have a friend and a rival, you're like, oh, you can decide randomly and for no reason to be like, I'm not friends with you anymore. And that starts the whole 10 pages of rules of, all right, well, you can revoke your friendship and then you have the contempt of a girl and all the other friends need to pick sides or they can stay neutral, but then they can't use willpower to join. And you're like, holy shit, the combat section of this is like two pages and the be a bitch to your friends is about 12. <laughs> <laughs> it is, uh, it is definitely kind of surprising. There is such a focus on it. And also not just that, but in order to start a fight, like to get someone mental or physical, in order to start a fight, you have to spend a willpower. That's like the cost of starting a fight. Now you only have 10 willpower. And if you drop to five, you start suffering all kinds of penalties. So you don't want to start fights. So a large portion of the mechanics of starting these these friend fights is trying to do things horrible to your to your friend to get to dare them to be the one to actually start the fight. 
Oh yeah, there's a lot of goading people into doing things because you can, mm-hmm. instead of trying to fight them physically and be like, oh, you know, this has an equivalent of hit points, but mostly it's just like, oh, no one can die. The way you take no, out a die. person is you sap all their willpower by humiliating them and making them, you know, suffer things in front of their peer group and if you can get someone to zero willpower, then they'll go away. Yeah. Um, so you have to... You, the, the core mechanic of the game seems to be a lot of PvP attacking. You, you're right about the game being having this tone that, like, teenage girls are barely contained sociopaths who will turn on each other in a second. Honestly, a lot of this feels like the game was written by, like, one of those 10 rules for dating my daughter t-shirts. Well, I mean, it's, like it was just it's hard not to look at this and go like... All right, so a dude named Andrew made this, and... Ooh, okay, he's got opinions about teenage girls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very tongue-in-cheek, but it, it's just it goes on quite a bit, and it takes a lot of liberties that I wouldn't otherwise personally take if I was, for some reason, trying to write a uh, role-playing game about teen girls. Yeah, well... <laughs> I mean, like, because... There's a section where you're choosing a personality trait, which has no bearing on game mechanics. It's just sort of an extra little role-playing game addition. Uh, but uh, the first one in the list is bitch, and then three down from that is fashion whore. Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is, a, I mean, I understand you're trying to write this in in teen girl language, but it reminds me a lot of when political opportu- or cartoonists put like a little wise nine-year-old girl in their cartoons. So it doesn't look like an old 50 year old white man wrote this uh. where someone comes up and is just like, if you just followed the police's advice, there wouldn't be a problem out of the mouths of babes. <laughs> and you're like, yes, out of the mouths of drawn babes that do not exist. Good job. You did it. <laughs> now write dead on something. Uh. <laughs> So, so anyway, there are several clicks you can choose from. We might as well get into those. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some are your very standard uh, high school type of stereotype. So you've got, like, the nerd and the goth and the sporty girl. Yeah, the leader, which is uh, in this, because it's a British game, is called the, or a, a game set in Britain is called the, the, I don't even, is it prefect? Yes. I've never understood how, yeah, it's pre, I, I've always wondered if it was prefect because it's so British. It's prefect. Uh, yeah. No, the, uh, I, I have to really say right now, it took me longer than I would like to admit to realize that this was British. And in <laughs> my head, the first time I saw a picture of one of the girls, cause the, Girls in this are all drawn from the same person, and they all have a very similar style, and it's fine. But the first time I saw one of the hockey sticks, I was like, wow, this person doesn't know how to draw a hockey stick. And it took me way too long to go, field hockey. Oh, yeah. Field (laughs) hockey. (laughs) Yeah, field hockey sticks look like big candy canes mixed with baseball bats. And and yeah, if you are not ready for them, you're going to be very surprised. I was like, what kind of weird perspective is being drawn on this hockey stick? Nope. Nope. Not the right thing. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, I knew a lot about field hockey just because it was, as a kid, I played a ton of water polo. It was my sport of choice. 
And people always ask me, because no one knows what the fuck water polo is. Like, they don't, a lot of people think it's volleyball in the water. Huh. Uh, and so when they ask me to describe it, people often will say it's a lot like soccer, but it's not. The closest sports to it are ice hockey and field hockey. Because right. in soccer, everyone occupies a zone that they hang out in. You know, like, defenders don't cross the midline. They stay back there by the goalie. But in water polo and in field hockey, ice hockey, you got to run back and forth up the whole fucking field every five seconds the entire goddamn game. <laughs> and, and so I... I knew a little bit about field hockey, so at least I was ready for that. All right, good. There are how there. Thank you. That's my story. I'm glad. So, I'm glad we got that the, story. <laughs> so the first one of these clicks that you could be is the fixer, which is exactly what you think. Just like it was in uh, in alma mater, it's the it's the kid in school who can get drugs or criminal stuff in general. Yeah, it is your person who can get you things because. They're basically treating the boarding school as like a prison that is just teenage girls, but also they're allowed to do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's some stuff about the teachers, but it really feels like it, the school has already been completely taken over by the by uh, by the, the students and that the headmistress of the school is okay with that, having kind of internalized her belief that that's how they train the best of girls is by letting them just kind of go insane and feral. Oh yeah. Well, girls will be girls. Mm-hmm. There's a whole backstory to this about how St. Theresians is like the school for failed and fallen youth. It's the place. It's the last resort school that they send the biggest delinquents to, which is weird because it's a full on every year boarding school. So there's like eight year olds here. I don't know they how the, put in. the different years. Cause there's like, up through sixth years, and I don't know how the British schooling terms I mean, work. So I don't either. Six years is basic. I think my understanding is it basically represents like grades eight through through senior for us. But uh, I'm not sure about that. And then the book does go out of its way to say that yeah, the first years are between the ages of eight and twelve. So I, I don't know if maybe it takes a few years to get from second to third year. Maybe they're British years. I have years. no idea. British years are twice as long as American years. It's true. It takes it takes Britain twice as long to go around the sun because you see the sun never sets on the British Empire. <laughs> it has become tidally locked, which is why it is melting there. <laughs> the uh, uh. the fixer gets a, the fixer's special ability. The special abilities are pretty much the major thing worth talking about when it comes to the clicks, because they're the only thing that's unique about Indie Click. The skill selection, anyone could buy their way into those same skills if they wanted to. Yeah, I mean, so you get f- one point higher starting max in your beginning skills, and that's basically mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So for the fixer, the special ability is contacts, which is just that you know people who owe you favors. Uh you can use them again and again, but they won't owe you favors anymore, which is weird because there's no limit on how many people you know who owe you favors. But also, if you like a person that that got it, you uh, had pay you a favor, you could just go back and see if they'll do it again, which you'd be like, why? Why not go to a new person who definitely owes you a favor? Because it takes a will point in order to remember someone who owes you a favor. Good point, and that is an expensive thing in this game. Yep. Uh, the next person in line is the goth slash emo. I don't know why they decided to separate the goth and the emo. 
Well, they didn't really. They're the same clique. They're just leaving by name. Yeah. Because there's, there's, it's not like there's a goth clique and an emo clique. There's the goth slash emo clique. Yeah. But I was like, why would you even be like, ah, or emo? And I'm like, who cares? Just say goth. Everyone's got the same idea in their mind. <laughs> I don't really know what an emo is exactly. I, when I hear emo, I picture the kind of kid that wears too much black eye makeup and posts like little uh, TikTok pictures of themselves saying things like, um, girls, did you know you could wear less makeup? Mm-hmm. Kind of things. That's like all I, all I can picture. No, see, <laughs> an emo is like a goth, but with <laughs> less personality. <laughs> I was going to say, goths are rad. Is it that emos are just bad goths? Uh, It's like you take a goth and then you take away any of their cool interests and instead are like, ah, I, I don't want to be depressed. I just want to be sad. Oh, okay. They're the, uh, the, yeah, to me, I, I mean, I know I'm way out of touch. I'm, I'm over 40. I might as well be dead when it comes to knowing anything about high school kid clicks, but I've always pictured emos as the, like, I assume that the guy who, who put up the post that was like, I can be your angle or your devil. That's, that's a classic <laughs> emo. Yeah. I had to take a uh, a family kid uh, friend once. I actually volunteered. It was night. Nice. It was fun to um, an a, a emo concert series. I I don't even remember what it was like X Games or something like that. <laughs> the, but X was definitely in the title. But it was a bunch of like emo emoy bands who were just like screaming about how their girlfriends were. It, emo really seems like screamy country western. Well, that depends because you can get into screamo which is a type mm-hmm. of music or standard emo, which really ends up being more like panic at the disco and fallout boy. Oh shoot. I like panic, panic at the disco and fallout boy. Oh, I love all dumb shitty music. And so Crap. it's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not saying emos have bad taste in music. I'm saying they're boring. Okay. They're, the uh, special ability of this grouping is visage of terror where they can be terrifying and, and like cut a path through a crowd uh, but it, it, it's weird because it, it costs you a willpower point and then you have to make a, uh, oh no, I'm sorry. You spend a willpower to do it. And then the other person gets to roll to see if they get out of it. They, yeah. they get to roll get a resist fear check with a difficulty of five. That's what it is. Yeah. And e- it says, even if you manage to, you know, stand firm, they'll at least get out of your way. So mm-hmm. you don't completely spend a willpower and get nothing out of it. But this is yeah. also I, the the one clique that has part of their curriculum is religious studies, which is the magic of magic. this game. Yeah, because of the goddess. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's you got to throw some of the craft in there. Well, yeah. And ultimately, that's the only way you could possibly uh, get a story about how a goth managed to stare someone down and get them out of the way instead of, you know, being friendly to them because goth... Like, this is very much like a South Park view of what goths are. Yeah, I mean, if some goth tried to, like, stare someone down as they were walking down the hall, they'd be like, what's up, nerd? Yeah, exactly. This is, I like the idea that, oh, goths are the scariest of people, which it's like a, it's like something you'd see in an old episode of Batman the Animated Series. <laughs> oh, no, Wednesday Adams is trying to get me to move. <laughs> I mean, it might just be because I went to school when I did, but I'd be like, hey, baby, because that's my style. That's my anyway, thing. That's my thing. Uh, hockey Girl is up next, and they're pretty self-explanatory. They're the sports ones. 
they get access to all three of the skills that are different types of games. They're violent, rugged, can take damage, even though they, there's no difference in how they can take damage with the game's damage system, and like to get violent with people. Yeah, they just their special ability is just they get an extra die when they try to do anything violent. Yes, so whenever they get into fights, they get an extra die, which is super strong. Uh, after that is the Sweetheart. Yes, indeed, the one that uh, seems innocent at all times mm -hmm. and is yep. very good at blaming other people. That's their primary capability, is to blame other people. In fact, it is their special ability uh, that they have an ability called Butter Wouldn't Melt, which is uh, anytime they're trying to convince someone of something, specifically of their innocence, they get a bonus die added to the pool. Yeah. And at the, the headmistress's discretion, they may also add a bonus die if you're trying to blame something on someone else. Yes. But that's it. They're not a very interesting one. No, you're just the, like, oh, I'm that classic like villain of high school things where it's like oh all the teachers love me and think i'm a sweetheart but then really i'm evil and conniving mm -hmm. yeah you're well you're the person who gets away with everything you're the cheryl blossom i don't know who that is really i would have sworn you were you were of the type to watch the current riverdale show no why would i do that because you like genre cw shows i, I mean literally <laughs> Only if it's got a weird supernatural thing to it. Let me tell you some stories about Riverdale. <laughs> uh, Anywho, the next one up is the nerd slash geek. Yep. And now, this again, is your standard with the goth slash emo, why are we combining nerd and geek? Those are two very different things. I mean, not really. <laughs> Nerds have, it, have uh, interests that are useful. Geeks do not. That's supposed to be the big difference, but I don't actually think that's the case. No, in this, it's just you get to add a die to a die pool where your intellect comes into play, which, man, that's really wide open as opposed to the other ones that are very specific scenarios. As always, the headmistress is the judge of what counts as a nerd-friendly, brainy task. So I assume that it's supposed to be the headmistress' job to be like, hmm... That doesn't sound like it involves pocket protectors, but denied. Yeah, I mean, it's supposed to be f that the uh, the nerds are the, like, math geeks and the computer nerds, because there's also the scientist clique, yeah. which is mad science and engineering. Yeah, that one feels very out of place compared to the others, the, the mad scientist one does. Because uh, the rest of them really are a lot of high school cliques, but then you get to the one that's like, what are these guys? I don't know, mad scientists, immune to fear. Basically, Kate McKinnon's character from the female Ghostbusters. Yeah, what do these do? Oh, well, everyone else seems like they would be normal. And then there's these people who are making ray guns and trying to Frankenstein things, and you're like, okay, sure. <laughs> this went very codenamed Kids Next Door for a hot second. <laughs> Uh, anyway, between those two, though, is the prefect, the uh, the natural leader group. Yes. Uh, they're the ones who enforce school rules. I mean, you know what a prefect is, because that's part of classic British literature. They're the head girl. Mm-hmm. They get two special abilities. They get a uh, uh, the planning ability you see from time to time in role-playing games, where before any situation, they can be like, all right, everybody, here's the plan. If you follow the plan, you get a bonus die. If anyone deviates from the plan, you get no bonus dice. Yeah. And if it just one person deviates from the plan, everybody loses the bonus. 
There's nothing in here about what happens if everybody in the group chooses to be a prefect and they all just agree on the plan. Because uh. you'd be like, well, we get four bonus dice to all the skills that we chose. Um, well, you didn't we're come up with the st- plan. Someone has to come up with the plan. Oh, we worked on it together. Well, then that looks like it was a uh, joint effort, which means it goes down to the helping rules. So one person is the main person that rolls and everyone else helps. <laughs> that sure makes it a bad choice to play as a group of prefects anyway. I'm the headmistress. Anyway, the uh, the thing is, prefects hang out with other prefects. That's what the whole th- they're like top class, like basically they're teachers, they're professional teachers' pets. Yeah, they're the ones who think the- that they're like, oh, I'm going to use the fact that teachers like me to get my authority on. Well, I mean, they're like an official position in in at least in old timey boarding schools. That was like a like the teacher. It'd be like being a hall monitor. Like you get to wear a special sash and everything, and and you get to walk around and demand that people respect your authority because you can actually back it up with the school. Yes, I and mean, they much tended more to interesting hang out with other ones because <laughs> than any of that though is their mm-hmm. second ability, which is they have the ability Somebody, to yeah. manage and control gangs of first years. Yes, they can even summon them in situations. They can they can just attract a wild horde of first years and direct them to do a single thing. Yeah. Or just run around being maniacs. Yeah. I mean, you can basically be like, go tear that thing down and just a horde of screaming ten year old girls will go attack something. Yeah, I like that one. Especially because I, I don't believe it costs a willpower or anything. So it's just, hey, in any situation where it'd be useful, I'm just gonna summon a horde of first years and have them do whatever. Yeah. Uh, up after that is the scientist, which we talked about already. It really doesn't feel like it fits here, uh, but what you're going to do, especially because it's like, you already did nerd slash geek, just roll these guys in there. You'd uh, think, They get but the no. special ability of being, they, they, yeah, they get the special ability being hard to shake with, uh, with fear attacks because they are uh, so used to doing with dangerous chemicals and so on. A lot of this game's back end is about building explosives and toxic gases and stuff. And this is the group that primarily focuses on that. And shouldn't because it is so hard to do and you are so likely to blow yourself up and get nothing yeah, it's out not of it. A, it's not about whether you're scared of it or not. They don't get any bonus to make explosives just to not be scared of g g g g ghosts. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the thing is, making bombs and stuff like that requires fear checks, so it's good that they are better at it. That is true. You got me there. Uh, there is, however, a secret fear that every girl harbors, every girl, including the scientists, uh, and they don't get their bonus when it comes to their secret fear. Yes. After that is the coquette, the extra sexy girl who uh, is, I, I don't remember, it's described in a not especially g- great way. Um, what's the last sentence of it? But really, your heart belongs to daddy as soon as you decide who he is. Yeah, well... <laughs> And their uh, ability, teasing smile, starts with, you can distract any straight man, and on a good day, anyone at all, with a seductive glance. I'm amazed that they went full on on the, all of these girls are heterosexual thing, because I was like, it's weird to me that you wouldn't have more, like, bi or lesbian stuff in an entire game about just all girls. Yeah, and it's from 2009. 
Like, there's a whole section on how the girls get into into huge fights. Why isn't there one about romances? I feel like that was the kind of thing where this game was from late enough in game development history where it should have been a thing. Oh, yeah. And I mean, they do talk about like, oh, you know, what if someone takes your boyfriend? And I'm like, what? Come on. Oh, come on. There's a section towards the back of this where one of the adventure hooks is a a, uh, a boy from a nearby school has seduced one of the girls and then admitted that it was all a test to see if he could pull a girl from St. Aresian's without her realizing. And now you must take your revenge on him or else you'll make every girl at St. Aresian's look easy and cheap. Wow. That's just like, ugh, fucking delete that. The time you should have dele- deleted that is when you wrote it. The second best time is now. Huh? Uh, uh, anyway, they can seduce anyone, and it's all written as if it's a guy. So you can, anytime you do this ability, a man will automatically fail whatever task they were attempting. Anyone else is distracted at the very least. Yeah. I, if you have the attention of several men, uh, the headmistress might let you affect all of them with one smile. If she's in a good mood. Sigh. Mm. The, uh, so the next click is... <laughs> Go ahead, it's the best one. <laughs> Man, reading through this, I was like, okay. A, it is a shocker. This is this is kind of some, you know, real dumb, shitty, all-girl st- stuff, but whatever, I get it, I understand what you're trying to do. And then we get to the exchange student, and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You have an exchange mm-hmm. student. But it's not, it's not just... No. Anyone that comes from non-American or non-British, I suppose, in this uh, school, it is specifically mm-hmm. Japanese exchange students who have to be samurai and or ninjas. There it is. <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, it, it is only Japanese schoolgirls uh, who are here because of uh, their families are super wealthy. But there's a very specific range at which people end up in this school. You have to have a wealthy but stupid family who's willing to put you into a school despite that school's terrible reputation. And Japan happens to fall in a a range where there's a lot of wealthy people and they don't know enough about British culture to know that St. Theresians is a school for delinquent murder girls. Oh, well, Well, you see... And even if they did... The samurai don't. They think that this will be a good place for their child to learn about honor but the ninja family know the secret about St. Aresians, and these ninja, parentheses, shinobi families, consider a term at St. Aresians to be the best way to finish their daughter's kunoichi ninja training. <laughs> so the only way to be Japanese in this school, uh, well, I, I suppose you could just play as a Japanese British kid who goes to the school, but if you're from Japan and you go to the school, you are a ninja or a samurai. Those are the There's... only options. Their special ability is called family jutsu. Yeah. Uh, and there's a different one for each of them, but they're not actually that interesting as far as differences go. It's uh, If you're from a samurai family, you get to add two dice to your dice pool if you get into a fight with a katana, and in parentheses, samurai sword. Uh, you can also, they also get to add one die to their die pool when socially defending themselves against any slur against their honor. Yep. And of course, the shinobi ninja families get two dice to any pool involving stealth, sneaking, or escaping bonds. That one's almost less offensive than the samurai one. 
Because the samurai Almost. one I didn't, we didn't, even finish, didn't even finish saying it. It's convince you get a uh, one die bonus to con- defend your honor, such as convincing people you're not lying, even if you are, you hypocrite samurai. Uh, so uh. um, this is pretty rough. As I, uh, it, it it I mean it's just, it's not great. I'll go ahead and say it. It it's it certainly is sort of a surprise to come across. I mean, part of me understands that they were like, oh, we read Panty Explosion about you know, Japanese students, so we should have a way to put some panty explosion stuff in here. But I was like, yo, my dude, that ain't it. Yeah, that was, I mean, there are, there is another way in the, in the thing to be from uh, another country, because the thing after, after this section is the skill section, which we've gone over pretty well already. And then there's a little section called like special traits. Yeah. Uh, And special traits is just like, Hey, take a personality trait, assign it to your character. It'll help you role play. It doesn't do anything else. Yeah. And one of those is uh, foreign affectation, which is that you're from another country. Perhaps you're a foreign exchange student or you just moved here recently, but you have to act like a big old stereotype from that country because that's how it's a trait. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) God damn it. (sighs) The language skill, when it actually gets to the point where it like describes all the different skills and everything, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, it talks about not only is this a skill for, you know, communication, doing secret codes or languages or things like that, but it lets you speak another language. And <laughs> there is an entire big sidebar about foreign students and how <laughs> the Japanese students are probably going to be either having a smattery of smattering of English with a heavy accent or, you know, you can speak it well enough. And I'm just like, oh, this is <laughs> this is inviting some horrible racist gameplay. You're just like, yeah. hey, did you not have two points in language skill? Well, you better be ready for some fucking me so horny shit. And I'm like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. They're like, hey, if you don't speak the language... You can still speak the language, but uh, you got to have a thick accent and not know all the right words. And uh, I, I get it. it it's going to be super awful if it's Japanese, but it's also going to be kind of irritating even if it's like German or whatever. Yeah, I know. But the fact that they were specifically like, yo, this is because we put <laughs> Japanese students in here. I was like, ah, yes, you are just putting the bait out. Man, I was trying to remember what the name... Okay, this is going to go be going back just a little bit, because the art of the Japanese foreign exchange student characters, they are the only two characters in the game wearing, like, these sock protector things. I don't even know what... I, I thought they were called spats. Nah. Um, I But I don't remember the names of all antiquated British clothing or perhaps Japanese-style schoolgirls clothing. So to try and remember, I just quickly uh, Googled schoolgirl spats, and apparently that is something I was completely wrong about. Maybe some, there are several sock protectors on this page, but mostly it's girls in bike shorts, which I think are also spats and a lot of it is porn. So I'm going to go ahead and give up on this search. (laughs) Uh, Excellent. (laughs) I just wanted to know what the thing was called. Come on, guys. Oh, come on. (laughs) I mean, it basically just looks like leggings that got pushed down. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're open at the top and bottom. There's one per leg. It kind of looks like when little nephew gave himself those short pants with a little belt for each leg. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah, Akewood. Yeah. Okay, so uh <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh these these this list of traits is rough. It's hard to get through. Some of them are fine when you're like, "Oh yeah, angry. No problem. Bitch. Oh, I don't like fashion whore. Okay, sure. Uh I hate it, but fine. Greedy. Yeah, that's a good one. Tart. <laughs> I'm like, <sighs> "Man, you really <laughs> Tart it, Here's the description for Tart. Boys, it's all about boys. You have come to realize that those scrumptious treats are interested in you, and you are looking to tuck in. <laughs> sex is a constant distraction for you, but is it the sex or the power that you can wield by getting them to do what you want so easily? <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough read. All right, here's the rivalry system. Yeah, the rivalry system, unlike... The panty explosion one, like we mentioned, where it's describing, you know, what your actual failures and successes look like. Here, it's just, all right, uh, you have a best friend and a rival, but also you hate every other girl. So what you do is you write down a thing that you hate about all of the other players, and mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be a thing that like has to inform what they do you could have a thing where you're like oh i hate how you know this player's character is always preening in front of a mirror and they might never do it but it's you know your character's perception yes <laughs> and then that's just for everyone you just have a thing you hate about everyone mm -hmm. and you uh you secretly write that down in your character sheet yeah and then you have a best friend, and mm -hmm. uh, that's that's basically it. <laughs> that's it. That's literally it. You know how you secretly wrote down the things you hate about every other character on your character sheet? It doesn't come up. It's just there to, like, spark entertaining role-playing. It has no mechanics. Oh, yeah. I mean, there is a little bit that during the whole, like, oh, we're going to try and fight do internecine politics between the friend group where like you can do more with best friends and less with rivals or something, or it costs more willpower. But for the most part, it's just write down things you don't like about that girl. Ooh, you don't mm -hmm. like her. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and then secret fear. And then you're done making your character. You've uh, your secret fear is literally just pick something your character's afraid of. In certain situations, when you're faced with it, you'll have to make a resisting fear test, and you'll be worse at that one than you will at regular resisting fear tests. Yes. And given that this is a game that has, like, technically demon summoning and, like, zombies, there's a lot of weird fear test things that you could make. In addition to, like I had mentioned earlier, pretty much trying to make any sort of contraband will have you make a fear test, because if you're like... I want to make a bomb. Ooh, that might explode. That's difficulty five fear. Okie dokie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then now you've made your character and in a classic example of we aren't sure this book's going to be long enough, there's a whole page of girl names. Uh, for no reason. <laughs> but boy, you know, did they... Maybe your player has never heard any girl names. Well, yeah. Well, they also have to give you the entire list for exchange student Japanese names as well. Uh, yeah, again, just like Panty Explosion, this book isn't even about Japanese schoolgirls, and yet somehow it's kind of about Japanese schoolgirls. 
Wow. Well, they have to be like, well, I, I have a commanding grasp of the names of potential Japanese children. I shall list them anon. Girl Japanese children. Let's not be gross. <laughs> oh, wait. No, that's grosser. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we should probably talk. We talked a bit about how the skill resolution system works, and that's important to get through. Uh, draws in this game are going to be very common when it comes to making opposed rolls, because when you try to get, like, for example, in a fight, the way it works is the uh, the headmistress will assign a target difficulty for both hitting and defending, and uh, whoever gets a higher roll when rolling against that target difficulty by counting the number of dice that are successes against that target difficulty... Uh, they'll inflict damage on each other. Draws, you should determine an edge so that someone wins in the case of draws. If nothing else, default to player characters. But it's because they said in playtesting, draws were unbelievably common. Yeah, well. <laughs> so that's pretty smart. I like that. Uh, they also have, of course, because why wouldn't you, rules for botching, where if all the dice you roll for a skill come up as one, you fail spectacularly bad. Yep, something stupid happens. Yep. And uh, instead of having combat, it... Go ahead. Well, instead of having it be you botch and something terrible happens and your rival describes it, again, they were just like, oh no, the headmistress, you become her bitch. And I was like, oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the initiative system in combat is is kind of a fun thing worth mentioning. It's who can raise their hand the fastest. Yeah, that was amusing. I was fine with that. I mean, that. it's 2009. You'd think that they would have... By 2009, I was expecting games to have, like, oh, by the way, if you have someone at your table who can't or doesn't want to for some reason, use another initiative system. Yeah. I was like, but that is... They just, it's cute, but, you know, maybe have options. Yeah, options would be pretty useful in that situation. Uh, then there's this optional rule that I hate, so I want to mention it before we get a chance to get through the uh, to the next couple things, called bidding. Uh, bidding is basically scumming for extra dice. You can say things like, uh, oh, I've got, my side has more people on it. I should get an extra die because I outnumber them. And every, what happens is it turns into like a one-upsmanship contest with the headmistress. By design, you're supposed to look at the headmistress and be like, I want an extra die on this roll to hit someone because I have a better reach with my hockey stick. And then the headmistress is supposed to look back at you and say, yes, but your opponent is stronger than you, so they get a bonus die. Then you're supposed to response by, respond by saying, ah, but I've sharpened my nails recently. I should get a bonus die. And they're supposed to look back at you and say, mm, but your shoes are stupid. They get a bonus die. And it's supposed to go on like that forever. Yeah. The, the fact that it's like you can't just say, ask, like, oh, hey, uh, I like specifically have some reason I should have an advantage. Can I get a bonus mm -hmm. die is reasonable. Fine. Have that be a thing where like, oh yeah, you know, because there's not really a lot of fluctuation really in difficulty. A lot of things are very set being able to say like, oh, I, I planned for this. I have an extra thing that helps me with whatever. Can I get a bonus die? That's fine. But when it comes down to you are specifically trying to outbid the headmistress for what's going on and you can just make up whatever the fuck you want like ah but that guy looks drunk to me like okay great <laughs> <laughs> well the problem is that the headmistress is encouraged to respond every time you try to do this by just giving another bonus die to the other side yeah 
it's so uh, it's just it's, it's completely bad. pointless. Yeah, it's bad. I didn't know what I, I was skimming because I have ADHD brain. So I was skimming and I saw these two italicized blocks and I was like, "What are these poems?" And when you read them, they almost read like poems. The first one reads like the lyrics to a garbage song, and the second one reads to like the lyrics to a kiss off country western song. Uh. Because the first one's like, I've got more people on my side. I'm going to fight dirty. My hockey stick has a longer reach. He looks a bit drunk to me. I'm faster than him, the fat bloater, et cetera, et cetera. Where I'm like, oh, I get it. This is kind of a girl power anthem from like the late 90s. Yeah, it's like a garbage lyrics. And then the second one is like, he's bigger than you. He has a gun. You're wearing stupid shoes. He's stronger than you. And I'm like, yeah, this is some country western lady describing how she has a better boyfriend now. Uh. <laughs> Also, it, it it really hauls home the point of the uh, of the headmistress side, where they are given. I think it's ten arguments they can they list. Four of them are he's bigger than you. Yes, it's just he's bigger than you. He's a hell of a lot bigger than you. He's a lot bigger than you, and then he's stronger than you. And you're like, okay, great. Yeah. So you're like, why would I play this game with a headmistress? Where you're like, oh, I should get advantage because I have a sneak attack. He's bigger than you. Okay, well, I should get advantage because I'm aiming for his solar plexus. He's a lot bigger than you. Like, that's the same the same thing. No, it's different. Don't worry about it. This is, this is a pointless system, and I need you to know that. <laughs> this is dumb, and I need you to realize you shouldn't do it. Now, we got to hustle here because we're, we're running low, but uh, we definitely need to talk about the damage and health mechanic. Yeah. The... The wounds in this, like I said, they don't really have uh, health points as much as they have steps until you get to essentially trashed. being out of the game, which is trashed. So yeah. you can get slapped, which is the lowest end of damage, and that can stack up to three times. And uh, each time you have a slapped stack, you get a minus one penalty. Uh, mm -hmm. If you become battered, which is woof the thing after getting yeah, slapped times that. three. Mm -hmm. If you are now a battered woman, then mm -hmm. you are the same effect as being slapped three times and you can get more damage on tap top of that. So you could be mm -hmm. battered and slapped. And yep. if you get battered and battered, now you're trashed and you're out of the fight. Yeah, you're not dead because you can't die in this game, but you're out of the fight. And then there are, obviously, uh, long, complicated healing mechanics that require you to do a lot of bed rest. And if you don't do bed rest, then you don't heal kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you also lose willpower when you get beat up. If you get to battered, you lose a willpower automatically. If you get to trashed, you lose two. Mm-hmm. There are all kinds of ways to lose willpower, but we already talked about the ways to get them back. Then we start getting into a whole bunch of ways to extrapolate upon these fairly simple mechanics. Uh, a whole bunch of, like, how many floors of a building can you fall out of? How long can you drown? How do explosives work? How do car chases go? Yep, all that stuff, which almost certainly won't matter, but whatever. It's there, in case you need it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then a big section on weird science and... It's something that we're practically going to have to skim over because of how long we've been going already. There's a big complicated magic system that you can only access by having that one religion skill. Yes. And its whole thing is now you have an entirely different system to work with because you have to do a magic ritual, which will then infuse you with, with a bunch of magic points. 
You can mm-hmm. then take those magic points and do things with them. But while you have magic points in you, you're <laughs> you're a huge constantly bitch. leaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, you're constantly leaking magic points, so you have to run off and use them immediately. Well, yeah, you have uh, your energy points end up getting spent like one an hour unless you want to try and like hold on to them by sleeping or something. You can mm-hmm. do rituals with them. Usually you'll want to do whatever you were hoping to use your energy with immediately since it just starts leaking out of you. But the yeah, more energy you have, the more stuff that happens with you. So you'll be like, oh, now I'm a megalomaniac because I have so much power. Right. This is all very much the craft. Like, they're like, hey, it's more powerful if you do it with more girls at once. But obviously you're inviting dark forces into your hearts and you can it can lead to megalomania and craziness and so on. Yeah. There's an entire system on potion making and mm-hmm. necromancy and summoning demons there's just a shitload of stuff, and I'll tell you this right now, don't do any of it, because most of it will just murder you. Yeah, I mean, when you when you build your character, you'll realize how low all of your stat pools actually are, and then you start looking at the difficulties and so on in the roundup of optional abilities at the back of the book, and you're like, wait, I can't do any of this. And then when you look at the way the uh, the XP system works, you're like, oh, and I, I never really will. <laughs> uh, I do like that under demonology, it was like, ah, yes, Demons have to be coaxed to come help you, not because, you know, they don't want to come up, but because Lucifer himself declared that none of his minions should ever have truck with that pack of bloody Herodans from St. Aresians. You're... Oh, good. Herodans. You're too (laughs) badass for Lucifer. I'm so glad we're getting old-timey words to denigrate women in here like Herodan. I hope we can work in Termagant. (laughs) (sighs) Okay, so, um... What was the other thing I was going to talk about? Oh, yeah, the XP system. You can either get a single point of XP. At the end of every session, the headmistress is supposed to say, okay, and what have you learned? And you can and you either, can either say, say, don't know, miss. Yeah, in which point you get a single XP, which you can be spent on, like, upgrading skill values. Or uh, you can you can list a life lesson you picked up during this event, uh, XP or this game session. What you do with that is you write down that life event on your character sheet, and whenever something rel- related to that life event crops up again, you get a bonus die. Yes. But it has to be a specific thing. Like, their example is, you can put, oh, I need to keep my head down during a firefight. And at that point, mm-hmm. you couldn't just put, I need to keep my head down for a bonus to dodge. You'd have to have it be like, oh, now you get a die... That's a bonus to dodge, but only if people are shooting guns. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is weird because it feels like it's still going to be fairly easy to game that. But what are you going to do? I, I, it was one of my favorite parts of the book, to be honest with you, just because it was something smart where you're like, oh, well, you you do get XP in this game. And the thing that XP does is it teaches you life lessons that are directly applicable. Yeah, I mean, getting base XP, you can spend to actually just up the category of a skill but Mm -hmm. i mean they rightly say it might just be better to instead of doing that because it'll take whatever your level that you are improving plus two in xp and given that you get maybe one per session it'll take a while but if you get 
just a bonus die to some situation, that's uh, that's actually good. really good. Especially given that one of the ones they mentioned is like, people are suckers for my charms. I'm like, that's so <laughs> fucking broad. Are you kidding me? Yeah, it doesn't even have a skill associated with it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just, oh, I guess if I'm trying to charm anyone, I get a die. Yeah, yeah, crazy. So uh, you might as well get into our, our favorites and least favorites. Do you think so? Uh, Yeah, I mean, basically the only thing left in this is the little adventure in the back, so we're pretty much done. Yeah, you're right. So uh, I, I think we're ready to get to there. So, John, what is your favorite thing about this game? Uh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Walk into that minefield. I mean, I'll at least say I think my favorite thing is the fact that actually that they included like magic and weird science and stuff like that so that you could go like high level weird with your uh game like yeah i like that because so much of this is so just like ah you are high school girls and you should be mean to each other the fact that they're like or you could have a game that's about you know like making a weird robot that does stuff for you and then getting trouble for it. Like, that's interesting. It's interesting that they put it in there. Great. That's my favorite thing. What about you? Uh, I'm actually going to stick with the one that I just listed that was my favorite thing, which is um, that the uh, the XP system has that smart way of dealing with it where it's like, hey, if you want, you could just write down a life lesson and get an applicable skill from it later, which... People are always trying to come up with house rule mechanics for how XP can be directly applicable as opposed to just being sort of a generic advancement resource that you spend on whatever you want. You see that in a lot of old Heartbreaker games where you're like, ah, you have earned three points of fight experience. Because it would be crazy for you to learn experience in a thing you didn't do this time. Indeed. And I'm terrible at at taking two steps back and realizing how abstracted game systems are. (laughs) But here, I... This is this is a version of that that I appreciate, where it's like, hey, yeah, if you want to write down an applicable life lesson and apply it later on, that's a great use of experience, and I, I agree with that. So I'm going to say that that's my favorite thing. Sure. What is your least favorite thing? Oh, golly. Uh, Gosh, Ant. I, I mean, I kind of have to go with the exchange student thing in this, because when I first read the bit about the exchange student thing there's before it gets into the actual descriptions of everything it has like a little here's just a list of the names of the clicks and i was like oh you know it says exchange student and it says like ninjas and samurais sent from overseas and i was like ha ha okay but what is it really and then getting to it and that's actually what it is i was just god damn it (laughs) game what are you doing Uh, I'm going to take the advanced complication of the uh, the PvP fight mechanic for okay. uh, for fights between the school. I just don't like it. I just I don't want to spend a bunch of time it, it, among my friends just having a log argument over who forgot to return return whose cell phone. Oh yeah, no the if it hadn't have been for the incredibly shitty racism stuff on the exchange student, that would have been it. Because honestly, the fact that this game is just oh you're all playing. Instead of being, like, friends at a 
weird school with no rules and you're all competing against other people to do your weird stuff it's like uh you all hate each other and should all mess with each other but then you have to get into a complicated system where you'll you'll fight each other but then you won't and then you'll go back to doing stuff and i'm like i don't want it i don't want to play a game where i'm just sitting around the table being an asshole to the person next to me that sucks ass <laughs> yeah i mean ultimately i would have completely agreed with you that the samurai or ninja thing is the stupidest and i want to send that nonsense to asians represent just so that they can do a better job of it than we can <laughs> uh but but um it is extremely dumb and i, I it would it definitely is also my least favorite but i wanted to list something else and yeah the long-winded description of how to handle interpersonal fights in the party is just I get it, and I appreciate the attempt, but it looks boring, and also, it doesn't even look like if it worked, it would be very fun. Well, especially because the whole idea, as well, feels like no player would want to do that, because the entire system is like, oh, now you get into essentially a bidding war, where you end up using, like, willpower on every side to try and gain control or leadership of the friend group. And I'm like, okay, but no one would ever want to do that because they'd go, oh, this is going to cost me willpower to try and do. And in the end, if I gain control, I get nothing. Yeah, this is stupid. Everyone willpower. Uh, everyone involved is losing willpower. Like the, the example they list is like, oh, you forgot to return my binder or some, or I return it and blame some other girl of stealing it. Well, I see right through that. And now you and I are enemies. And then it's like a three day fight where everyone is spending willpower at a constant rate to stay on their team. And then at the last day, both of the, both of the girls who started the fight are like, well, this has never been worth it. We're just friends now. Yeah. It just ends with them going like, ah, uh, someone just comes up to the other person and goes, I'm sorry, we're friends. And then it ends. And you're like, yeah. And you're like, what? But that costs like, that costs like a net seven willpower from everybody in your friend group. You've just, you've just made it so that you have to go into a recovery cycle instead of having an adventure. Yeah, it is just so dumb. I get, I mean, there's parts of it I would get like, because admittedly a lot of the fun in role-playing games can come from just hanging around talking to the other people in the party and you know uh, everyone's always going to tell you that one of their favorite role-playing game experiences they ever had is that time they didn't use the dice yep and there's nothing wrong with that that makes perfect sense here too but it doesn't need all these rules then yeah because this is a lot of dice for that yeah (laughs) so uh so there you have it um would you play this game I would not. This does not seem like a fun game. If I wanted to play a schoolgirl, there are plenty of other games I could use. Yeah, uh, and we've we've read several games about playing as high school students getting into high school student fights. I don't know that we have necessarily read a good one yet. I because I, I, mostly because the show has not covered the ones that are like way out there and fun, like Monster Hearts. No, we keep covering ones where people are like. I'm going to take the idea of high school to the extreme and how much it sucks. And I'm like, I don't want to be in a thing that sucks. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, masks is another one where it's a lot of fun, but it does. Of course it has an out there twist where everyone is a young superhero. So anyway, uh, it's, it's another one of them high school games. I wouldn't play it either. Great. And, uh, that should be just about it. Yeah. You, uh, you want to get on out of here? You want to talk about that? Patreon? Hell yeah. I mean, if people want to go to patreoncom slash system mastery, 
we're going to make some high school students. We're going to have a mm-hmm. couple of St. Aurasian girls that we're making. You support us at the bare bones $1 level. You get access to this and all of the characters that we have ever made for the games we've reviewed. Oh, and we've made a lot. This is episode 199. Indeed. Granted, we didn't start the bonus content until sometime, I want to say, in the ep- around episode 30 or 40. But still, that's like 170 more episodes that your dollar is getting you. It's a good dang deal. It is such a good dang dong dang deal. And you can do that once again by going to patreon.com slash systemmastery at the single dollar level. There are other levels as well. If you want to support us at the $2 level, you get all of our Star Wars bonus content. $5 will net you the afterthought and the uh, the, the current TV mastery where we're watching The Littlest Hobo. Oh, man, that's fun. Uh, but other, whatever you do, go to Patreon and support us right there and then. Yeah. And thank you so much for doing so. And if you can't do it financially, of course, leave a review anywhere where you're listening to it. A good five-star will help people find us or, you know, word of mouth. Yeah, that'd be nice. A lot of good tweets about how great we are. And don't tweet like 17 other groups that are also great. Just us. Just us. We want the fucking glory. <laughs> I want a crafted artisanal tweet. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do one of those follow all 22 of these podcasts I listen to things, please do. Power to you. But I've already run out of thank you reaction gifts, so don't want one of those. <laughs> I only use each each uh, animated GIF once in my life, and then I can no longer use it. It's a it's a curse I suffer under. Yes, I kicked a wi- I kicked a wizard. <laughs> I kicked a wizard's toad. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in another couple of weeks with episode two hundred. That's exciting. Bye. Whoop whoop. Oh shit! I just remembered it's episode one ninety eight. This is episode one ninety eight. False alarm, everybody. Next episode's a regular, skippable, boring one.